Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Should I sing? People have said I sound like Steve Perry. Actually, nobody has said that. Welcome back, everybody. It's 9.06 here in St. Louis. As Steve Perry brings us into the second hour of At Your Service, my name is Dave Simons, and uh, I do not sing except in the shower, and I sound magnificent in there, if I do say so myself. By day, I am a certified financial planner. That's what I do for a living. I manage money and head up a team known as the Simons Cordes Wealth Management Team within UBS Financial Services. But uh, occasionally, I do get a chance to come down here to the KMOX studios and fill in. My, my original career, as many of you know, was actually in broadcast journalism. I went to Mizzou in the early 80s and um, graduated in 84 and started my career and worked at a couple of places in Kansas and always my dream to get back home in St. Louis. And then who know, who knew where beyond that? I didn't really care about that. I just wanted to at least work for a TV station or radio station here, and I got the opportunity working at Channel 4 here in town in the late 80s and early 90s and um, eventually got into the sports side of things, and my boss... Sports director is a guy named Zip Rizepa. Some of you, many of you know that name. So uh, I hope you can come back and hear me on Friday as I will take a couple of hours between 4 and 6 o'clock. And I'm going to have Zip on as a special guest. And we'll get caught up in what he's doing these days. And we will relive some of our days working together there in the late 80s and early 90s doing St. Louis sports, but that man is a long, long time ago. I changed careers when I was just 31 years old. I won't bore you with the details now. There are a lot of reasons that went into that. It was the best decision I ever made, hardest decision I ever made, not even close, um, 28 and a half years ago. So here we are, and it's uh, I'm very blessed. I'm very, very lucky that I've been able to marry both my passions and that is on the financial money management side and still get to come here on CAMOX. I've been hosting my Dollars and Cents investment show since 1996. Now, that's not full-time anymore. I used to host that Dollars and Cents show every week from 96 to, what, about 2000, 
when did I pull back a little bit? In the mid-teens, 14, 15, I don't remember. I didn't want to do it every week anymore, so I went to um, Steve Moore here and, and said, hey, I, I think I'd like to pull back. So uh, that's what I've done. And now maybe I'm on just 10 to 12 times a year, but do get to fill in every once in a while. And I was just thinking about this driving down here. How fortunate, and you, I still have to pinch myself. I, I really do. As a kid growing up and listening to Bob Burns and Bob Bragg and, and do sports open line as my dad and I would drive down to Cardinals games and I w- would always make my dad sit in the left field bleachers so I could be next to my idol Lou Brock, who I got a chance to obviously meet an interview when I got into sports years later, which was a special treat. But then sitting here in the KMOX studios, sitting in the same seats as as some of my radio idols from back in the day. I mean, charmed life. Not easy life. Charmed at times. And so here we are. And um, I I recognize the blessings inherent in that. So, folks, a week ago today, a Donald J. Trump announced that he was going to run for president in 2024. It was... Not a well-kept secret. In fact, it really wasn't a secret. Everyone knew that that announcement was coming. And some of you thinking right now, Dave, are you really going in that direction? Are are we going to talk politics here? Do you want to do that? You you bring up Trump. Hold on. Hold on. I am never going to interject my own personal political predilections here. Wow, say that fast three times. That's never going to happen. But there's a reason I bring that up. I've done a lot of, uh, just a ton of traveling the last couple of weeks, some by air, but mostly in the car for a variety of reasons. I'm not kidding. In just the last couple of weeks, I've driven through the states of, let me see, Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina, along the south, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, back up Oklahoma, Kansas, into Missouri, and a couple of different routes through that. Let me tell you something. And and I've actually not just driven through them. I've stayed. I actually stayed overnight either with friends or in a hotel in places like Wichita, which I did just a couple of nights ago, uh, Fort Worth, Houston, Monroe, Louisiana, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Never seen the Alabama football stadium, so I thought, well, I'm here. i got to go look at it, so did. Took a little selfie there. Uh, where else? Uh, South Carolina. I think that, that covers at least where I stayed. So I wasn't just, oh, did I say Monroe, Louisiana? I don't think so. So I also stayed in Monroe. Here's what I observed. Those who think that Donald Trump has no chance because he's damaged goods, didn't see what I saw the last couple of weeks. I know that it's been well documented that some of his biggest financial backers and supporters are bailing. There's like, I I can't take the chaos anymore. I gave 10 million to the campaign 2016, 2020. It's time to move on. Uh, I've, I've turned against him and let's bring in a Brian Kemp or a Ron DeSantis or, or whatever. Okay. So I, I, well-documented that that's happening. And even just a lot of regular voters, too, who might have been Trump voters in the past, they've publicly been coming out. And we've seen that in the polling. Okay, they're not going to support him this time. But 
with that has come, I guess, a lot of glee by many, especially on the left, saying he has no chance. They've turned on him. Maybe. But can I tell you that in certain parts of the country, they still feel he walks on water. And I think it would be wrong, dangerous, whatever, to dismiss Donald Trump as a viable candidate in 2024. Now, take that for what it's worth. Again, I'm not taking sides here. I'm just telling you, as someone who just in the last couple of weeks, since the midterms, has traveled through all of these basically southern states, and I'm telling you, it hasn't changed. Billboards already up, Trump for 2024. T-shirts, MAGA hats, t I saw T-shirts in restaurants and T-shirts at gas stations with the Let's Go Brandon. I don't think I need to explain what that means. Most of you know what that infers. And proudly wearing these types of things. Flags flying. Um, paid billboards on the side of highways, Trump 2024. And I, and I just remember thinking, wow, I think that a lot of folks who think that Donald Trump has no chance, many, a lot of people thought that in 2016, even 2015, when he made that grand entrance, he and Melania coming down the golden staircase at the Trump Tower in New York, and people kind of laughed it off. And he just kept saying things that were outrageous. Well, that's going to be the end of him. No, he tweeted outrageous things. We heard audio tapes from years ago that were really outrageous. Well, that will be the end of it. No. A lot of political pundits turned out to be wrong. I don't have any idea. I make no predictions for 2024. And I tend to err on the side to say, I think he's more damaged now. I think he's got more of an uphill battle. But what I saw tells me that he can't be dismissed. And he's going to make a lot of noise He's going to make a lot of noise and it's going to be the revenge tour. And even if he does go down in the primary, he's not going to go down quietly. The GOP has a real, real dilemma on their hands. And I don't think I'm think saying anything that would come as surprising to anybody. So anyway, that's travel stories with Dave and the political stories connected to it. I promised that I would get to some economic issues, and politics do play a role in that. But I do want to start to kind of get off the off-ramp here and go more towards some of the financial issues of the day. And this is really, really important. And the political side of this has with a recession is, if we do go into a recession in 2023, what kind of an impact does that have on the 2024 election? And will Democrats be more blamed than Republicans? Probably. I I don't. But then again, it didn't really bring on the red wave that we had either. A variety of reasons for that. But I'm going to put the politics of that aside for right now and get into more of the recessionary talk and why I'm kind of in the majority opinion here, which I normally do not like to reside in that side of the sandbox. 
Stay with us. It's 916 in St. Louis. More at your service when we come back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Nine twenty here in St. Louis. Dave Simons filling in at your service. Hello there. Happy early Thanksgiving to one and all. It's going to be very low-key for us. In fact, the most low-key for myself for Thanksgiving that I can remember ever. Seriously, it's just my wife, my son, and me uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, parents not able to make it either due to health or out of town. My sister tied up with um, her own side of the family. Uh, my brother is never able to make it because he's got his own family out there in D.C., and Daughter in Texas, who we just saw, so we just came back from that. That was part of that trip that I just described. So anyway, just the three of us. It's like, okay, real low-key, and I'm happy about that. Sometimes that's just the way I love it. I'm kind of a loner anyway, honestly. I'm not a big crowd guy, which I think a lot of people always find surprising with being on the radio and being back in TV in the day and hosting investment seminars um hundreds of people, and yet that's not my thing. It's just it's not. If I, I, I don't even like to go to big parties. I don't. And when I do, my wife loves it. She's Miss Butterfly Socialite. 
But I'm I'm content going into the corner and just talking to two or three people the whole night. That's kind of what I do. And when it's time to leave, I'm, there's a thing kind of called, um, I guess, is it ghosting or whatever? Would you, you just end up leaving? I, I'm not sure there's a term for that, but that's me. I literally, I, I, folks, I don't say this with a lot, a lot of great pride and joy. I'm just being open and honest here. But I've been known at a party to just not even say goodbye to anyone and just get in my car and leave. And the next day it's like, dude, where where did you go? I don't know. I felt like leaving. You didn't say goodbye to anyone. There's like 200 people here. I, well, I don't know. I wanted to go home. But with my wife, of course, if I want to leave at 11 o'clock, I've got to like tell her at 930 it's time to leave because she's got to have that conversation with everybody between here and that door way over there. So I I just kind of sit in my corner and watch her do her little socialite magic and occasionally have to go over. Um, yeah, I told you an hour ago it's time to leave. Oh, what time is it? It's like 2 o'clock in the morning now. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, I'm, I'm content with my little Thanksgiving uh, just with the three of us. Um, folks, I'm going to kind of use a sports analogy here, going back to my old sports casting days. The SEC in football, if Alabama played Vanderbilt, who would win? It's, it's not a trick question. And, it, and again, they, they're in the SEC, so they play quite often. And it happened this year already, Alabama at home against Vandy. And Vandy's actually played well the last couple of weeks. They won a couple of games, beat Kentucky and Florida. I mean, they, they could actually go to a bowl game if they win one more. But Alabama won that game easily, 55-3. to That was the 23rd win in a row, Alabama over Vandy. In fact, go all the way back to 1960, they've played 48 times, and Alabama has won 46 of them. It's like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. So Vandy would say, so you think? They have a chance. Well, not really, but okay, two out of 48. You got almost, you know, a little bit more than a 4% chance, Vandy, that you could actually pull off the upset. I tell you that because I have to look at statistics and trends in my business all the time as we formulate game plans for our portfolios for clients to say, okay, this is what we see with inflation. Where are we going with this? And where do we kind of... Where do we need to underweight and overweight? We don't make huge changes. We're not all in or all out, but we sort of massage the edges a little bit. We don't want to own high-flying technology stocks, obviously, the last year or so, so we've been really underweight, and that's helped us. And then you overweight other areas of the market, same with bonds. Okay, you you, you know how that game is played. But every once in a while, when you look at something that has a historical track record that's almost unbreakable, you still have to recognize the fact that maybe Vandy beats Alabama in this case. Maybe this is one time where it doesn't work. And if it doesn't, what do you do about it? Here's the statistic. There is something called the Economic Cycle Research Institute. It's a big, long name that goes by the acronym of ECRI. I look at that quite a bit. It's a monthly report. And basically, it's just an economic index. 
And it's done, it's got an unbelievably solid track record of predicting where the economy is going. And for me, that's especially important when we think about potential recessions. So let's stop with the talk that we're in a recession today. We are not. Even as we go, and, and typically what happens is the governmental body that basically announces recessions, when they say, oh, we're in a recession that actually started three months ago. That's how it works. It's always backward looking. So, no, that that body is not going to say in February, oh, the recession started last October or November. Not when you have the kind of positive GDP growth we have. Not when you still have historically low unemployment. Not when you have consumer spending. People who say we're in a recession tend to say that for political reasons. They lead with that first and let the data kind of disappear to the side. The data is very clear, folks. We are not in a recession. With that said, our base case is we likely will be in one next year. I'm not going to try to opine the the date of this. That's impossible. Now, am I 100% confident of that? Of course not. You can't be 100% confident in anything when it comes to economic predictions or looking at uh, where we are going to be with the stock market in three months, six months, two years, wherever. But this Economic Cycle Research Institute, ECRI, it's a monthly report. It's declined eight months in a row. That doesn't happen very often. This thing's been around since the mid-60s. And that has only happened a couple of times in history, a few times in history. I think this is the third time where it's had eight months in a row. It's like the Blues, right? They just lost. Here's another. I just thought about this. This is a, it's another perfect example. After the Blues lost their franchise-breaking eight consecutive games in a row, they lost. What kind of money could you have gotten if if you put money down and said they're going to win the next seven? And it, they could very easily win their next game against a, an inferior opponent, on paper anyway, to make it eight in a row. But let's just say it's seven. It's never happened in NHL history. Are you aware of that? The Blues have set an NHL record. The only team in history to lose eight in a row and then win at least seven in a row. That's the point that I'm making. So the ECRI, which has dropped eight months in a row, every time the ECRI has dropped more than three or four months in a row, it's it's led to a recession. We go back to the recession in the early 70s and then again in 74, the early 80s, the very mild one in late 90 into 91, the, the Internet bubble bursting. This ECRI tends to decline first. It's very fascinating. It's a great predictor. It never declines after the recession. It has all of these indicators in there that we look at. Well, here we are. The last time it ever dropped this many months in a row was back in 08. Yikes. Great recession. Now, let me be very clear. I may say the base case for the Simons-Cortis group is a recession in next year, but in no way am I saying it's going to approach 2008 Great Recession. This could be a very normal recession. There are a lot of other things that I won't bore you with here. That's just one example. 
I don't like to be in the majority when it comes to making predictions. I've learned that. It's it's best to be a little bit in the minority. You pick your battles along the way, but it's the old analogy, do you all want to be on the same side of the boat? Well, it will capsize. It's best to kind of be on the other side when that thing goes down, and you might be safe that way. And that's how I am from a financial management standpoint. If everybody is bullish in the stock market, I get worried by that because that typically can be a very toppy part of the market, vice versa. When everybody is scared and everybody hates the market, a lot of times that's building a bottom. And maybe a new bull market can be born out of that. But where we are with the recession, it seems like most economists, most market strategists believe in 2023 we're going to have a recession. And I think, shoot then, do I want to be there? Do I want to be on that heavy side of the boat? So if we don't go into a recession, I've developed these portfolios with my team that are supposed to be set for potential recession and we didn't get a recession. So our returns were muted because of it. We got to be very, very careful about that. So I'm not all in on this. I am not so convinced that we're going to be a recession. In fact, my commentary that I write uh, for many of you KMOX listeners, I'll give you a preview of it. It's on this very topic. What if all the naysayers are wrong? And I admit that I add to the noise, too, a lot of times in my commentary. I'll say, look, there, there are some things we're very concerned about. We don't know that the Fed is going to successfully battle inflation. How much longer are they going to continue to raise rates? Jay Powell, the Fed chairman, has said he, they're going to bring pain. So I think they want the unemployment rate to go a little bit higher. The only way to really break the back of inflation. That's not good. How deep is the recession? Oh, there's Russia, Ukraine, all these other things. But what if everything is resolved in a somewhat positive way? Have you ever thought about that? That can happen. I want to dig a little deeper into that. So I'm up against a break here. So let me do that. You're listening to At Your Service. My name is Dave Simons, and we'll be right back. All right, my friends, welcome back. It's 934 here in St. Louis. Dave Simons along with you. Happy Thanksgiving so far, early. I don't know what you'll all be doing on Black Friday, but I will not be joining you, especially for those of you who are going to get up early and go shop. But that's one of the things that I mentioned that keeps me from really going full bore into this recession talk. I do believe, I think the odds favor, I would put it at better than 50-50, that at some point next year, the government will announce, okay, we're officially in a recession. I, I I don't know any other way to break the back of inflation. You've probably heard the term soft landing or hard landing. The soft landing would be, we would all hope for that, especially the Fed. They would love to pull this off. Fed chair Jay Powell would be a hero. And that is, can we actually keep the unemployment rate down? Do we have to see a lot of people being laid off? Can we still see positive GDP growth? 
Can we see all, and even while the Fed might still be hiking rates up to a little bit, just enough to kind of ease the economy back down a little bit, and it's that Goldilocks setting where everything is just right, not too hot, not too cold, and a year from now, I might be on the air saying, wow, they pulled it off, and the stock and bond markets have done extremely well this year, and we never entered in a recession. That is possible. I'm not banking on that. We let the data speak for ourselves. And that's one of the problems that investors, both professional and amateur alike, it's a major mistake. You have a certain outlook and you don't change. Even with data comes your way and tells you that you're wrong, one of the problems that we have with our emotional makeup is we can't admit that we were wrong. And gosh darn it, we have stated publicly to the world, this is what we believe And we can't say that we were wrong. Well, why not? Why can't you say that this is what the data was and you had a reasonable, you had every reason to to have the outlook that you had at the time. But the data changed. And you say, okay, well, now I'm not going to be so bearish or I'll be more bullish or whatever. That's what good strategists do, good financial advisors do. It's nothing personal here. I don't understand why some people just have a tough time changing their opinions on things. So I hope the data comes out and says that, hey, man, things are are doing okay. And look at this. Oh, my goodness. Inflation is actually coming down. It's now six and a half. It's five and a half. It's four. It's three and a half. And oh, my goodness, the financial markets have responded in kind. At this point, I believe that the markets will remain quite volatile. I don't know what that means for the stock market other than we are in a good seasonal pattern historically right now. It's the old, what we call the Santa Claus rally, which is November, December, January. Those are the three best back-to-back-to-back months in the market historically, especially during midterm years. You know there's really no better three-month period of any four-year cycle of a president than the three months of November, December, January in a midterm. And here we are. And look what's happened. If we even go back to October, October was a fabulous month. In fact, it was the best single month since January of 1976. So the Santa Claus rally actually started early. And we had a nice um, rally in the market today. I don't place any emphasis on it. Volume was low. It's a holiday week. But the market seems like it wants to start building a base here. Now, let me tell you something. One thing that I pick up on, one of the the data points that I look at is not just the hard data. I talked about that Economic Institute chart that's fallen eight months in a row. That's what we call hard data. Now, let me tell you something that we call soft data, and it's much more subjective. And that is, it's like we are all on the psychiatrist's couch. And I would say, Mr. and Mrs. Investor, How do you feel about your financial well-being right now? How do you feel about your 401k? What keeps you up at night when you think about your finances and your investments and your retirement plans? We can actually do surveys and we find out what the collective group of investors across the country are feeling. And it's decidedly negative right now, full of angst fear, trepidation. One indicator says that this is the most amount of fear and anxiety that investors have ever felt 
even more than the Great Recession. I've been looking at the data. It is true. It's amazing. When we see numbers this low and this bearish, there's a bearish sentiment among so many investors. And even though it's not connected necessarily to stocks and bonds, but the the collapse of the FTX crypto exchange and the currency associated with it, that leads into that angst a little bit going, okay, is this the start of a house of cards that's going to bleed through to the rest of the financial markets? I'm out. There is some of that that's going on. Do you know that that markets tend to build on fear like that? They do. If all the people who want it out of the market are already out, where are the sellers left? I'm not making any prediction here. I'm not saying I'm turning bullish. Quite the opposite. And I'm not bearish either. I just, I, I'm neither. I'm just like, okay, this is where we are on the markets. I think we're well positioned and that things will turn at some point in 2023, but it may not be until the second half. Could be earlier. We stay fully invested. We just kind of massage the edges a little bit, making sure that we're avoiding the areas that are most vulnerable, especially to a recession, and finding areas that we think are a little bit more defensive, and we will change as the data comes in. Now, everyone always focuses on stocks. Let us not forget fixed income, bonds. Oh, I know it puts people to sleep. Sorry to do that to you, especially those of you driving right now. I'll do my best to keep you awake. But bonds are that sort of esoteric asset class. It's like, well, I I think I'm supposed to own fixed income. That's what I've always been told to stay diversified. Don't put all your money in stocks. And I've got to have this these bonds over here. And especially when they weren't paying anything. Why am I? Why do I need bonds? They don't yield anything. I don't get this great total return. Well, bonds were down slightly in 2021 and they've been absolutely trashed been taken out on a stretcher here in 22. If the year ended today, do you know that this would be the worst bond market in history? Analysts at Bank of America even went all the way back to 1789. Let me help you with that. That's the year when a guy named George Washington became our president. 1789. They went back and looked at all of this data. I can't even imagine how much in depth and what kind of records that they found to come up with this. But this is the worst year for total return for bonds in 250 years, roughly 235 years, something like that. Isn't that amazing? I think it is. Then when you combine a traditional split of your stocks and your bonds, if the year ended today, this would be the worst year since I believe 1969 or so for a, I'm sorry, 1937. I just looked at that the other day. The worst 60-40 allocation return since 1937. Stocks have had worse years, but the fact that you're not getting any help with 40% of a traditional 60-40 split from fixed income has put that down to the worst 60-40 return with about six weeks or so left in the year. Uh, It's amazing. So again, that's where the angst comes from. Now, as we look to 2023, I'm not going to make predictions on the stock market, but I sort of am for the bond market. I believe we're going to see a pretty strong return for fixed income. Not only have we really never seen bonds fall two years in a row, but they have already done two years in a row. And this year, the worst ever. Is it possible that we would see a third down year in a row for bonds? Anything's possible, but I would put the odds at really small. 
I mean, single digits, less than 10% chance. This is my professional opinion. No guarantee of it, of course. But I think it would be a mistake to sell all your fixed income here. I think that time has passed. And hopefully you were able to be in the right area of fixed income. You didn't own 20 and 30-year bonds because you've been hit hard. Unbelievable, the returns of a 30-year U.S. Treasury considered, you know, anything backed by the Treasury is the safest investment of the world. You got the full faith and credit of the U.S. government behind it. And so you wouldn't expect to lose a lot of money, but that's what happens when interest rates basically go from zero to 60 in four seconds. That's kind of the equivalent of what we've seen in the financial world with bond yields going from zero to above 4% in no time. And so that has shocked the bond market. I think bonds could actually outperform stocks for at least much of the year next year, maybe at least the first part of it. And then we'll see by the end of the year. So stay with it, folks. I, the, the advice that I always give, and I know it sounds trite, but it is true. Have your plan. Stick with it. If it's reasonable, and that's the key, and use what I call the pair principle, it's it's actually trademark. I trademarked it a number of years ago, which is kind of a fun little endeavor that I went through. P A I R. P is the plan. You got to have a plan. It's got. If you if you tell advisor what's my plan, and he looks at you cross eyed, maybe you look for a different advisor. A is assess. You got to assess the world around you. And assess your own situation. How does that fit into the plan? I, then, is actual investments. Once you've developed what your full long-term plan is and you assess what's going on in the world, inflation, emerging markets, uh, Russia, Ukraine, you kind of, okay, we'll build a portfolio kind of based on where we think all that's going. And then you make the actual investments in your stocks, bonds, ETFs, commodities, cash, perhaps some real estate, whatever. And then R is just review. You've got to do your review. Is that twice a year, once a year, whatever? That's up to you and possibly your advisor if you work with one. But that's your pair principle. I'm telling you, if you have a solid pair principle in place, none of this really should matter. It can be a gut punch at times when we go through this, but it should never, ever be enough to crack that plan and have you somehow fail. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Ten minutes before 10 o'clock here in St. Louis. So I'm about to sign off. Dave Simon's here. Um, But I'll be back on Friday, Black Friday, from 4 to 6 p.m. I will have uh, Zip Rizepa as one of my guests on Friday. Really looking forward to that discussion as we get updated on what the Zipster is doing with his life these days. And we will relive our time together uh, working at the Channel 4 Sports Department back in the late 80s and early 90s. And our other colleague, Doug Vaughn, still there. Doug, getting her done. At, uh, part of me looks back and go, just thinks, man, that was a long time ago. That really does seem like the 30 years ago it was. And other times yesterday, do you know I still have dreams about those days? And it's all the same. I think a lot of people have dreams about being in school or college, high school, whatever, where you show up the day of the test. For me, it's always college when I realize not only is it the day of the test, I didn't even pick up my books for the class. 
So I'm sitting there, and they're passing out, and I'm thinking, shoot, not only didn't I study, I never even got the books. I mean, you talk about a dream of anxiety. Well, I I still have those from my TV days of the 80s and early 90s where they're calling me to the studio. Dave, you're on. Get down here. Oh, man, I didn't even write my scripts. I just have videotapes. So I run down there. These are how the dreams go. And I jump on set, and the anchor throws it to me to do some sports, and the tape comes up, and I'm thinking, I haven't even seen this videotape. Is that Ozzy? Is that Willie? Obviously going back to my day. Oh, the blues are on. Is is that Adam Oates passing to Brett Hall? Oh, okay, I don't remember. What game is this? <laughs> I mean, and I'm sweating, and I and I literally have woken up in sweat. I still have that 30 years later. We'll see if Zip has the same thing coming up. Speaking of sports, um, I talked earlier about all the driving that I did through so many states in the last couple of weeks. And one of the mornings, I had ESPN Radio on. And they're talking about teams that are close to being bowl eligible. And Mel Kuyper, many of you know him, love him or hate him, uh, big-time college football analyst for decades, and... They asked him, what are some of the teams that you would love to see in a bowl but who aren't eligible yet? They have to win their last game or two. You know what his first pick was? The Missouri Tigers. Like, Mel, you're my buddy now. Preach it, brother. This shows that this guy does his homework, and he really, literally just really does watch dozens and hundreds of games. But he started going through it, and he, and he was spot on. He said, you know, Missouri is now... Um, I think he was talking about how they were four and six, because I think this was before their victory over uh, New Mexico State. So I think that's what it was. And he was talking about how they should beat New Mexico State, and then they'll play Arkansas for their final regular season game. They have to win them both to be six and six and then become bowl eligible. But he, he mentioned the fact that he would love to see the Missouri Tigers because of how many close games they had. And he's right that those three weeks in a row – Losing to Auburn in overtime because oh, of a fumble at the goal line, that was that was tough. The very next week, they're leading number one Georgia the whole game and lose. The next week, they could have beaten Florida, and they end up losing by single digits. And so if, if they just win two of those three, and by the way, a couple of weeks later against a pretty good Kentucky team, they only lost by four games, four points. They've really They've been blown out twice. Against my wife's alma mater, that was a tough one to take earlier this year against Kansas State. They looked horrible. And then just being absolutely trashed by Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. No question. I mean, they they looked really bad in those games. But the rest of them, is it possible they could have won them all? Yeah. But let's not get greedy. Let's just say, okay, they would have won three of the five in those other ones or, or whatever. They could be seven and four, maybe eight and three. If they're eight and three and knocked off number one Georgia, they're ranked. They're that close from not even being bowl eligible to they could be ranked with just a break here or there. And so that's why I appreciated Mel Kuyper saying that. But forget about the Missouri Tigers for just a second. By the way, they play Arkansas this Friday, Black Friday, while I'm on. So do you think maybe here in the KMOX studio while I'm hosting, I might have a television on at that time? I mean, this is to be bowl eligible. 
against Arkansas, who looked really good against a very good Ole Miss team. But TCU, for those of you who aren't aware and don't follow college football, I think at least you know who the typical powerhouses are, right? Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Georgia, number one this year, defending champs. Um, Alabama is kind of in the mix, but they for them, two losses, that's a lot for them. But they're still up there, the usual big boys. But sitting there at number four in the country, possibly fighting for a national championship, TCU, love it. My daughter went to TCU. We go down there all the time. She still lives in Texas. So, yeah, we are living the life of a horned frog this year. This has been so exciting. So go TCU, go Mizzou, hopefully all of your teams. Well, sorry, Arkansas fans, not this week, hopefully, but maybe another time. Anyway, folks, it's been fun. Thank you so much for tuning us in here tonight. I will talk to you again this Friday at 4 o'clock. Bye-bye. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.